0: Welcome to Return to Regalia, an Underland Chronicles reread podcast. I'm Una. And I'm Nate. Today we'll be covering the rest of chapter 25 and the rest of the book. Where we ended last week, the quest group was flying away from the rat's land, and Ares revealed that they're lost, so they found a ledge above a waterfall to rest on. When they land, Gregor goes to check on Luxa, but her eyes are unfocused. She can't speak, and she's shaking, so he puts a blanket around her. little underland Shock
1: blanket. It's just a regular blanket.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I like that he does this when he has no idea what to do. He's just like, a blanket will help. Right. He goes over to Aurora and offers to sew up her torn wing. He knows how to sew buttons and small tears, but he's not eager to try his hand at sewing her delicate wing. Aurora tells him to tend to the others first and wraps her good wing around Luxa. Boots' fever has gone down, and the medicine seems to have helped Gregor's dad, too. The narration says, Gregor was still unnerved by how fragile he looked. Clearly the rats had half-starved him. He wondered what else they had done. Which is super grim. Yeah. Just that Gregor has no idea what his dad has been through, but he knows it's a lot.
1: Well, for one, he's in the bottom of like a very large pit, which already that's not good.
0: Right, right. <laughs> you never
1: you never see somebody in the bottom of a large pit and you're like, oh, I bet they're having a great time.
0: <laughs> Ares sits hunched in sorrow and Gregor decides to leave him alone for now. He gets out the first aid kit and picks a needle. There are different kinds of spider silk on spools and he starts to ask Gox, which he should use before remembering she's dead.
1: Rip Gox.
0: Rip Gox. Does our fridge still say Rip Gox on it?
1: It now says Rip Twitch Tip, but with a a J instead of an I.
0: Yes, yes. But But for a little bit, it said R.I.P. Gox.
1: Yes. And I think for more than a year, it said R.I.P. Twitch Tip.
0: Yeah. The magnetic alphabet letters on our fridge have definitely spelled R.I.P. Twitch Tip for... Almost as long as we've been living here, I feel like. (laughs)
1: Because that's how important she was to us.
0: Yes. Our fridge is just a constant memorial to (laughs) Twitch tip. Gregor cleans and sews Aurora's wounded wing, and they both try their best, but Gregor has to take his time, and he can tell it hurts Aurora.
1: I'm just impressed that he's like, like, I get that he has to, but he's like, okay, I've sewed buttons, surely I can sew flesh, like...
0: Yeah. I
1: would not. I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Maybe we can, like, tape it up for (laughs) now. (laughs) Maybe it'll be more aerodynamic with a hole in it. Like, I don't, I'm not touching that.
0: I think that Gregor is just the type of person who, when he knows what needs to be done, he does it. And he's really good at that. Mm -hmm. Even though he's like, yeah, this is going to be terrible for everyone involved. (laughs) but we need to do something, and I'm the only one. He's very brave. Aurora tells him it'll hold until they reach Regalia, and encourages him to address his own wounded leg. He washes it and applies ointment, but he can't do much about his nose, which broke when Ares caught him earlier. Gregor tries to take stock of their situation, and he realizes that he and Temp are the only clear-headed, able-bodied creatures left. He asks him what they should do, and Temp says he doesn't know, but he asks if Gregor can hear the rats. At first, Gregor thinks he means back in the canyon when they fell, but when Temp repeats his question, he realizes he means here and now. He looks over the edge of the ledge they're on and sees hundreds of rats gathering on the banks of the river. A couple are trying to climb the stone wall up to where they are, and Gregor knows it's only a matter of time before they scale it.
1: Do the, do the crawlers have a past tense? Because when I was reading this, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's interesting that he says, hear you, the rats.
0: I was actually thinking about this. Nice. Because I'm interested in the crawler syntax. I think it's because if you translated that into how we would say it, we would ask either, did you hear the rats? Or do you hear the rats? And that do, we use Like, do support? That's what it's called, is do support. Nice. The do is carrying the tense of that sentence, but the crawlers don't use do support. Uh
1: Uh-huh, so it's just like, you hear the rats? Yeah,
0: but, like, they're still using the same tense. Like, when we use the word do in a question like that, we use the infinitive form of, like, to hear. Yeah. So we say, like, do you hear or did you hear? Like, that's the same
1: dang yeah but
0: the crawlers and i don't think i i've been trying to figure this out too i don't think that the regalians use do support either at least not usually like they'll say stuff like hear you or fly you or
1: oh yeah stuff like that i'm thinking this reminded me of nothing um not of nothing this reminded me for no reason of this essay i think called hast thou seen the white whale which is about moby dick but it's Mm -hmm. like That's how in like, I guess, older English, you'd ask that question. So they're like, maybe they're working from a time when people used less do support.
0: I'm not sure. It also could just be something that Suzanne Collins chose to do to make them obviously sound different than how Gregor speaks.
1: That's true. That makes more sense. And
0: they do sound more old timey and stuff like that. But I'm not actually sure about the actual history of Uh like how they would have been speaking in the 1600s when they came down here.
1: Shakespeare was in the sixteen hundreds, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, he was early sixteen hundreds. We actually know that the regalians know Shakespeare because there's so many regalians named after Shakespearean characters. Oh my
1: god, I'd never put that together.
0: Yeah. That's
1: funny. That he's their last like pop
0: culture yeah. reference.
1: <laughs> like I guess they must have regalian pop culture, but like mm-hmm. I feel like that's all smaller.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think that Luxa and Gregor could have both been made to read Macbeth or whatever oh, in hilarious. class.
1: I bet it would be so much easier for Luxa to understand, though. I feel like they just speak a little more formally. Like, I feel like they'd know more what those old
0: words are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I said that the regalians don't use do support, I was totally lying. Because later in these chapters we're going to cover, Luxa says, did Vicus not tell you?
1: Maybe she's just trying to connect with Gregor as a
0: youth. (laughs) She's like,
1: all the cool kids use do support nowadays.
0: (laughs) They do. I think Vicus, though, especially, like, here Gregor asks Temp, what do you think we should do next? And I think Vicus would say that, like, what think you we should do next? Like, he wouldn't include the do. And I'm wondering if it is actually an age thing that, like, Vicus speaks a little more formally than Luxa.
1: Linguistic drift. Yeah. As you say. I'm not
0: sure. This is why I want to do a whole episode about linguistics in the Underland mm-hmm. Chronicles, because I'm obsessed with all of how they speak. But the point is that Temp asks, hear you, the rats, hear you, because he's just like saying the sentence, but without the tense of the do. You're right, though, that he, if he meant the past tense, I think he would have said heard you the rats but actually i don't know i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do more uh searching do, through the text for quotes and
1: do more
0: yes <laughs> make some fucking syntax trees mm-hmm. dig up my old syntax notes from college Ooh. anyway let's get back to the actual book Gregor has a bit of a breakdown about how they might end up dying after all, and he thinks they'll need a miracle to survive. The narration says, and that's when the miracle happened. Gregor's dad asks him what he's doing here, and Gregor knows his brain fog has cleared. The narration says, he couldn't move. He should have run into his dad's arms, but he suddenly felt afraid of this stranger dressed in rat skins who was supposed to be his father was he really sane now or by the time gregor crawled across the few feet of stone that separated them would he again be mumbling about fish and abandoning gregor to the darkness it's heavy Mm -hmm. but it's also so real that despite coming all this way to find his dad gregor upon finding him and seeing what condition he's in, he would be apprehensive about talking to him again.
1: Yeah. Like, especially after having that sudden letdown. Like, the whole time he'd been expecting, he hadn't let himself think about what would happen. And when he did meet his dad, he's like, oh, no. And he kind of, like, had to face the reality. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes sense that he's not ready to, like, come back and be like, oh, maybe it will be kind of okay.
0: Yeah, he just has no idea what to expect cuz he hasn't seen his dad in so long and he doesn't know what his dad has been through and but I think what's really heartbreaking about this paragraph is the part of like Gregor thinking by the time I get over there is he going to be back to like abandoning me.
1: Yeah, like, that's rough.
0: Gregor can't even like trust that his dad is going to stay lucid. It's so rough. But then Boots pipes up and asks to be let out of the web, holding her to Temp's back. And Gregor goes to her because it's easier than dealing with his dad. Boots asks for food, which makes Gregor smile because it means she must be feeling better. Gregor shows her their dad and tries to introduce them. The narration says, if they went together, maybe Gregor would have the courage to face his dad. I love this, that Gregor is like, I can't go talk to him on my own but boots is giving me the strength. I have to introduce boots to our father.
1: That that's what she does throughout the whole book. She's like she she's the one who like gets them in with the roaches. She's the first to talk to Luxa like she has no fear of anybody. So of course she won't be afraid of this random dude in Ratskins who she has never met.
0: Yeah, exactly. As soon as Gregor tells boots that it's their dad like they had shown boots pictures of their dad
1: oh that makes sense before
0: i think it says it in the book that she had seen him in pictures so i think she is actually kind of recognizing him boots runs straight into dad's arms and he asks if she's margaret she corrects him and says no i boots the narration says well boots's courage might only count when she could count But her ability to love counted all the time, (laughs) which is just like the Boots thesis statement (laughs) of the whole series, is that she's not afraid of anything. And maybe that's foolish, but it also allows her to love everyone. And that is her special power.
1: Yes. And that the opposite of love is fear, perhaps.
0: Ooh, that's that's good. Thanks. Yeah, if you're not afraid, then you can love. Gregor feels his distrust leave him, and he asks himself what he's doing just sitting there after fighting so hard to see his dad again. Dad laughs at Boots' name, and this is what finally gets through to Gregor. He goes to hug him, and he and his dad start to cry. Oh! Dad asks how they got to the Underland, and Gregor explains how they fell from the laundry room and came to find him. Dad asks where they are and Gregor snaps back to reality.
1: Oh, there goes gravity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Somehow I like knew that was coming. <laughs> Literally when I read that line in the book, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. Fuck yes. He explains the situation, and at first he thinks maybe he should have toned it down so as not to freak his dad out, but then his dad's eyes sharpen. He asks how Gregor sewed Aurora's wing and then asks for the needle. Dad takes a stone from his pocket and starts to rub the needle on it. He instructs Gregor to get a bowl of water and explains how he's magnetizing the needle with the lodestone, essentially making it into a compass. He sets the needle on the surface of the water in the bowl, and it turns to point north. This is when Gregor knows it's going to be okay because his dad is back. Yeah. Yeah. He's back, and he's being a nerd about science.
1: Literally, wish fulfillment for high school science teachers. Yeah. <laughs> But I love that, like, that, like, Gregor's dad doesn't even see the needle, but he's just, like, looking around for literally any way to escape. And he, like, infers from seeing the wing that, okay, okay, there must be a needle somewhere.
0: Right. And also
1: because I'm fucking, I'm never stopping, I have this magnetic rock in my pocket that I've been hanging on to. Yeah,
0: for just this reason. I just love that throughout this whole book, in the narration, we get flashbacks to him and his dad doing science stuff together like there is a paragraph about how gregor's dad takes him to the natural history museum and they look at fish with no eyes and how they did like science experiments together and stuff and then this is the moment that gregor knows that his dad is back is that he's teaching him about science
1: That's so true. He doesn't have to like, look, obviously, he's partly explaining for the benefit of the people reading the book, but he doesn't have to be like, here's what we're doing. He's like, he's like laying it out. He's like getting Gregor to ask questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's being a teacher. And like, this is what they do together. Like Gregor and his dad do science shit together. And this is how Gregor knows it's gonna be okay. (laughs) I just love it.
1: Also, random aside, but I think we already got to this part. Gregor's dad mentions that he was in the laundry room late at night because he wanted to do a little saxophone. And Gregor also plays the saxophone.
0: Yes! Yes! I forgot about that part. They're the best. I love Gregor's dad so much. (laughs) The rats climbing the wall are getting close, so Gregor calls for everyone to mount up, just like Vycus did at the start of the quest. I just realized something. Because later in these chapters... Gregor tells Vicus that he wants to be like him, and right here, he's saying, mount up, just like he heard Vicus say.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: He's Miles Morales looking at Peter B. Parker in the (laughs) meme. (laughs) (laughs) They take off just as the first rat makes it over the edge, and after an hour of flying, Ares says he knows where they are. On the way to Regalia, Gregor sees victims of the war. He notes the dead bodies of rats, humans, roaches, spiders, bats, and also mice and butterflies. Finally, the light on his hard hat goes out, and he's thankful he doesn't have to see the carnage anymore. Horns signal their return to the city, and Gregor sees that Luxa isn't even looking.
1: It's interesting that like Luxa closes her eyes because she's upset, but Gregor keeps looking at the bodies until he can't anymore. Even, yeah. even though he doesn't want to see them, he's still... Yeah. Like, I mean, even Ares could just use echolocation. Like, nobody has to look at this, but Gregor's still...
0: Right. He could turn off his flashlight, his hard hat light, if he wanted to. Because we needed the description of the carnage of this war. True. Right. I think it's interesting that it describes all of the different species kind of, like, together in their death.
1: That's true. Because...
0: The war is just, like, wrecking everyone. I mean, that continues to be a theme throughout the books of, like, war, what is it good for? (laughs) (laughs) Gregor can't imagine what Lukes is feeling, because while his family is safe now, Henry was Lukes' family, and he betrayed her. The bats are so exhausted, when they land in the high hall, they slide on their bellies along the floor until they stop. Dulcet takes boots away, and Temp hurries after them. Some people lay Gregor's dad on a stretcher and take him too. Even the bats get carried away to rest. But Gregor resists being loaded onto a stretcher himself because someone has to tell the story of what happened and he knows it can't be Luxa right now. Gregor sees that she has a vacant look in her eyes, so he goes to stand by her but not touch her. He tells her it's going to be okay, but he knows the words sound hollow. I love this moment so much when he's just looking out for Luxa and being like, she can't tell the story and someone is going to have to tell the story. So it's got to be me. So I can't go to the hospital right now. I have to stick around here.
1: With his fucking smashed nose.
0: Yeah, and hurt leg. And he's probably just exhausted and gregor knows no matter what he's been through luxa has it worse right now because gregor has his family back and now luxa has no one except for vicus who's about to walk in but Mm. like henry was her whole family her best friend and now gregor is recognizing that luxa is in even worse shape than he is so he's got to just stay strong for her Just the moment when he goes over to stand near her but not try and get her to do anything, not trying to get her to talk, just standing near her and telling her it's gonna be okay even though he knows that sounds hollow. I just think there's something really beautiful about the fact that he goes over to her and doesn't try and hug her or anything. He's just like, I'm here, I'm just standing with you. I'm just letting you know that I'm here
1: Mm mm-hmm, I'm not asking for anything from you. I don't, like, I'm not trying to make you feel better and then you feel like you need to reassure me that it's working.
0: Yeah, he's just like, it sucks, but I'm right here. We're in it together. There's something so beautiful about that. Vicus appears and Gregor tells him about Henry's betrayal. Vicus opens his arms to Luxa, but she doesn't respond. Gregor says, Luxa, it's your grandpa, because, quote, It seemed like the best and most important thing to say at the moment. Lukes' eyes start to well up. The narration says, A battle took place on her face as she tried to stop the feelings rising up inside her. The feelings won, and to Gregor's great relief, she ran into Vicus's arms. I love the line about a battle taking place on her face. Because she's trying not to feel anything right now. And she's trying to just force it all down and not cry and not feel this, like, intense grief that she knows she's about to feel because she's, like, she lost her parents and she knows what that's like. And she's just, like, trying to stop that before it happens. But the feelings win. And she finally is, like, going to Vicus and accepting him as her family mm-hmm.
1: and also that like, gregor has the emotional intelligence to like know that it's good that she's crying
0: yeah gregor's relieved that she's like feeling her feelings
1: <laughs> gregor's like i i the expert at dealing with emotions i'm so happy that luke <laughs> uh,
0: i also love that he just points out to luke so that that's her grandpa. Because right now, Luxa is just feeling like she's so alone. She's lost her family. And then Gregor is just reminding her like, no, you still have your grandpa. You still have Vicus, and he's here for you. I love that it says that's the most important thing to say. This series is so much about family and Gregor and his family are definitely like the main part of that. I feel like Gregor is all about his family all the time. And Luxa doesn't really have much family, but here she's getting that moment of like, no, family is really important. And Gregor is the one to remind her of that. That was chapter 25. Yeah. A chunky one. Big boy. Yeah, we had to cut it in half. (laughs) Yeah. Chapter 26 begins with Gregor telling the story of the quest to Solovet while he gets treated in the hospital section of the palace.
1: Because finally they stop listening to 12-year-old saying he was fine. While well, his nose is obviously broken. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. My favorite part. Of it. It's like, yeah, I guess this kid. I'm not dealing with this kid.
0: Yeah, he says he's fine. He's just going to keep standing in the high hall, bleeding. <laughs> Solovet then takes him to see Boots, who is in a nursery in the hospital, because she's still a little sick. And Dulcet tells him she'll be all right. Solovet takes Gregor to his dad, who has been bathed and given new clothes to replace his rat skins. Gregor asks if he'll be okay, and Solovet says, No one who spends years with the rats can expect to be unchanged, but will his mind and body heal? I believe so. Gregor thinks about how he himself will never be the same after what he's seen in the Underland, so he can't expect his dead will be unchanged either. (sighs) That's rough. (laughs) Yeah, just the idea that Gregor is not even out of the Underland yet, but he's anticipating going home and still being affected
1: by this. Right. He's never, now that he can finally think about the future, he's like, oh. It's oof. kinda rough. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> As they leave the hospital, Marith calls out Overlander and gives him a big hug. I love Marith. He also tells Gregor that he's brought them back light just like the prophecy said. Gregor asks what light, and Marith reveals that King Gorger's death has thrown the rats into disarray. Marith takes him back to his old room that he shared with Boots their first night in regalia, and he bathes, sleeps, and eats. Just as he's about to go visit the hospital again, Luxa bursts in with eyes that are red from crying. She grabs Gregor and tells him to hurry, because the council is planning to banish Ares. Oh yeah. The two of them run into a kind of courtroom where hundreds of bats and humans sit on bleachers around a central stage on which Ares stands. I don't think I've ever realized that there are hundreds of creatures here.
1: Yeah. It
0: seems like so many.
1: And he's like in a pit, right? It's like a... No, it's like
0: he's on the stand.
1: But like the bleachers, it's like the bleachers are like high, like bleachers... Oh,
0: I figured that it was like the bleachers come down to the floor and uh uh-huh. aries is on like a little platform in the center of the room
1: okay so he they're they're like i don't i'm not gonna spatial reason
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they're all looking down on him okay is what i'm saying i but he is very visible from the center of the room on this platform uh-huh it's kind of like a witness stand i think but in the middle can you imagine <laughs> yeah that would suck <laughs> that would suck <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot of creatures here and I'm trying to figure out how they gathered all of them. Did the word just spread like, hey, we're going to maybe banish Ares and everyone is like, yeah, fuck that guy. I'm coming to see (laughs) see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like we don't know how a normal trial looks. Maybe it's usually just like a very small crowd, but now everybody's
0: like, oh shit, they're banishing Ares. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We never really learn why I mean, Ares is hated after this moment because of the Henry thing, but it seems like there's a lot of bad feelings toward Ares just without that. Like, everyone is so ready to banish him, and I'm like, what did you do, bro? Yeah! (laughs) Yeah!
1: Maybe just like like we already know that Henry's been a dick to Gregor. Maybe just kind of like Henry Henry and Aries are just kind of like a gruesome twosome. Like
0: mm. they're
1: not super fun to be around because Aries does whatever Henry wants, and Henry's kind of a dick.
0: I I would believe that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think later in one of the later books, Aries talks about how Henry chose him because he was, like, a rebel bad boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, like, wondering what does that mean? <laughs> Vicus, Solovet, and the rest of the council sit in the front row of seats, but everyone stands up when Gregor, Luxa, and Aurora join Ares on the stage.
1: Stop the wedding. <laughs> just the drama. I
0: object. <laughs> Vicus greets Gregor formally as the warrior and thanks him on behalf of Regalia. Gregor brushes this off and demands to know what they're going to do to Ares. Vicus explains they've been debating about whether Ares knew about Henry's plot. Gregor insists that he didn't and reasons that he wouldn't be alive if he did. Luxa chimes in to say that if they suspect Ares because he was bonded to Henry, they should also suspect her because he was her cousin. A large red bat says that even if Ares is cleared on charges of treason, he still broke his bond when he let Henry die, which is also cause for banishment.
1: So it's like a catch-22. They just want to banish this guy. This is what
0: I'm saying. Like, I'm wondering if people hated Ares before all of this. And this is like, like, I don't think they would have done this to a well-liked bat.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: I'm trying to figure out like what the deal is. But also this might be personal, because like, so this large red bat isn't named here, Mm -hmm. but I think it might actually be Solovet's bond, Ajax.
1: Oh, that's funny. Because
0: Ajax is described as a large red bat, and we don't like meet him really until I think the last book even. But Uh like, Ajax was probably the bat Solovet was riding when they were on the quest earlier, so maybe Gregor would have recognized him if this were him, Mm -hmm. but like maybe he just wasn't paying attention or like doesn't know how to tell the bats apart yet (laughs) so yeah i think maybe it's ajax and in the fifth book ajax has like an attitude about (laughs) aries so i'm wondering if there's something personal there
1: i like that theory yeah enemies to lovers ajax and aries au
0: oh my god (laughs) if someone writes that can you please tag us (laughs) (laughs) Gregor says there should be a special rule to excuse breaking a bond when you're bonded to a really evil guy, and some of the council members start digging through scrolls to try and find one, but another woman calls out, Whether he is banished for treason or bond-breaking, I care not. I just want him gone. Who among us could ever trust him again? Which is just so harsh, and I'm wondering if it's not that Ares was disliked before this? Like, is this just how society is? Like, they're so ready to just dismiss someone? Like, I don't know, they're just very distrustful. And I guess that makes sense because of the world they live in. But they're not even like, like, specifically this woman who says whether he is banished for treason or bond breaking, I care not. Like, that seems like she just has personal beef now.
1: Yeah, she's just like, get him out of here. I literally don't care why.
0: Yeah, maybe it really is that these people are just like, so entrenched in their way of thinking of like, if Henry was treasonous, that means that his bond must be and we don't trust him anymore. And
1: I guess it kind of would like destabilize the bond relationship. If you're like aware that you can be bonded with somebody And they can still do something that you don't agree with.
0: Right. That kind of like. Right. Or if you start making up rules of like exceptions when you let your bond die. I'm sure that's going to like unravel their whole system. Right. Of of, like, well, how do we decide like what's an exception and what's not?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. I think they're probably really, really um, dedicated to this. Practice of bonding and the fact that Aries has disrupted this is making them very upset.
1: He's like counterculture,
0: he's a bad boy rebel type. Yes, you
1: should start a punk band, Aries and the Flyers.
0: I was about to say Aries and the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's a good one! Yes, yeah, I was literally about to say that. We'll make t shirts. Yes. There's an uproar, and the red bat echoes the woman. Who among us could ever trust him again? Gregor silences the crowd by yelling, I could. I trust him with my life. And that's when he knows what to do. He runs to Ares and holds out his hand. Ares realizes what he's doing and says, Oh no, Overlander, I am not worthy to accept. Gregor grabs his claw and says, Ares the flyer, I bond to you. He can't remember the rest of the vow, so Luxa has to whisper it to him until the last line, which he remembers on his own. I save you as I save my life. Ares hesitates, and Gregor says, Say it. Please say it back. Finally, Ares recites the vow to Gregor, and they turn to face the crowd together, hand locked to claw. Gregor says, I am the warrior. I am he who called. Who among you dares banish Ares, my bond? Which is so fucking sick!
1: (laughs) Right? He's like, this whole book, he's like, I don't want to be the warrior who's not ready. And now he's like, he's just whipping out this,
0: this speech. Yes! Yes! Throughout this book, I've been saying, like, Gregor is becoming more aware of his political power as the warrior, even though he doesn't believe in the prophecies fully. Right. Or he's like, he doesn't really believe himself to be a warrior. He understands that everyone else thinks it's a pretty big deal. This is such a, I don't know, this is like the Katniss and Peeta with the poison berries moment.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. You're so right.
0: Like, I see your system that you've set up and now I'm going to force your hand by using this system against you. If we're bonded, you can't get rid of him, you know? Yeah,
1: that's so good. Yeah, in both books, that's the that's what she does. Yeah. It's also, it's very Rip in too. That t-
0: yes, <laughs> yes. But also just the, <laughs> I am he who called, who among you dares banish Ares my bond. It's like a slant rhyme and everything. Like uh-huh. it, it kind of is almost like another couplet in the vow that they just said nice he's just like just the the audacity of like who among you dares banish he just comes right out of the gate and is like i am the warrior i just did all of this stuff for you guys and now i'm asking you to do this and you guys have to i just it's so powerful (laughs) yeah but yeah that's the end of chapter 26 yeah i do want to like I want to talk more about this um, because this scene is so iconic and it's so pivotal to the entire series and everything that follows. It's pivotal to Gregor's relationship with Ares, Gregor's relationship to the Underland. I could go on forever about this scene, but something I really want to focus on is... Yet another parallel to Hunger Games. Ooh, okay. Um, because Suzanne Collins is very good at Doomed from the Beginning. And I have a Tumblr post that I want to read actually that made me think about this. Tumblr user Cutter Kirby wrote an excellent post that compares Aries to Primrose from the Hunger Games. And I don't think I fully understood. Suzanne Collins's talent for writing doomed characters until I read this post and it made it like super obvious. Nice. <clears throat> Cutter Kirby writes thinking about Ares and Prim, thinking about Suzanne Collins's doomed by the narrative characters. Characters who are set to die in the first book. Parentheses Ares' attempted banishment, Prim's reaping, and it being avoided through the main character. Parentheses Gregor bonding to Ares, Katniss volunteering for Prim. And how in the end, the third segment of each grand finale, they die anyway. Ares is torn apart by what was in the prophecies supposed to kill Gregor. Prim is blown up by the rebellion Katniss was fighting for. They die and it's brutal. It's pointless. And that's the point.
1: Damn.
0: So basically, this post is saying Ares and Primrose were supposed to die in the first book. And Gregor and Katniss only managed to delay their deaths by stepping in to try to save them. And Suzanne Collins even said it herself. She knew Prim was going to die from the beginning of writing Hunger Games because that's the whole point of the series. And I think it must have been the exact same for Ares.
1: That's so interesting. Like they do, both Katniss and Gregor like do get peace. Like in the the war in the Underland is over for now. The... The dystopia in The Hunger Games is better for now, but they're still a sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Last episode, we talked about how Henry put Ares in a doomed position by forcing him to either save his life or become a traitor, or save Gregor's life and break his bond. So in this way, Ares is doomed before the book even begins, Because Henry doomed him the moment he became a spy for the rats.
1: That's so true.
0: But I think we can zoom out even further and just think about how everyone in this story is doomed just because they live in this society that's just driven by war. And they're living in constant opposition to other species And fighting for supremacy over other species. And Ares is like one example of how their society is trapping people into these like doomed endings. And it's very similar in The Hunger Games, I feel like. Prim is doomed from the beginning because she lives in a world where kids are forced to fight to the death on TV. right? And that's unavoidable and that's what makes her doomed and Katniss trying to delay that doom is futile because they're living in this world like I think we also in the last episode joked about how by the time the book starts Gregor has already lost his childhood
1: yeah and what
0: happens in the Underland is just a continuation of that
1: yeah and really like if you consider that like he's going to look for his dad, he's doomed before the book even starts in that way because his dad is already with the rats and as soon as Gregor comes down and finds out that his dad is there, he's not going to leave.
0: Right, exactly. And I guess I just wanted to read that post because I think it's really well written in terms of comparing Prim and Aries in a way that I had not thought about before, but it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Especially when we think about comparing Gregor and Katniss of like trying to do the best, most responsible, like moral things that they can do within their respective worlds and just grappling with choices like that and trying to save the people they care about, but like sometimes you just can't. Right. I need to reread Hunger Games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did not appreciate it enough when I read it in middle school. Anyway. That was chapter twenty-six. Yeah.
1: What a chapter.
0: A really iconic one.
1: I remembered, I must have gotten it mixed up with, I think there's another trial scene later, but I remember that going on for way longer. Like I thought they were all arguing, but no, Gregor just bursts in and he's like, he's like, stop the wedding. We're bringing the band back together. What else do people yell when they like run into rooms? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, he just bursts in with that.
0: Yeah, I think you are thinking of there's a scene in the next book where Gregor and Ares are on trial for not killing the Bane.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, and that one's like, that one's nasty.
0: Yeah, that's very similar too, though, that like Gregor and Ares have, they have made this moral decision to not kill an infant. Mm -hmm. But to the Regalians, that is not moral. To the Regalians killing the infant rat is what's moral
1: right I think it's a cool theme to put in a children's book like sometimes the law is not actually right about what's the moral thing to do
0: yeah I think in the very first episode that we recorded together we talked about the intro that Gregor is given in the first chapter and we learn about his family and how and like the world that Gregor is coming from
1: all right, right. And we
0: talked about how the cops were so disrespectful to his family when his dad disappeared. And that basically instills in Gregor this idea of, like, the authority figures don't help all the time. And they're honestly assholes.
1: And that prepares him for the underlying. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, he's just like, oh, more bullshit like that down here. Yeah, it's an important lesson for kids his age to learn.
1: Right. Because
0: I feel like up until you're like 10 or whatever, you're kind of like, gotta trust adults, like listen to your teachers. And then once you start getting into <laughs> middle school age, you're like, man, fuck the system. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just like learning that adults are not always right is such a important lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a big part of this book mm-hmm. is that honestly, adults are out here starting wars and shit. And sending kids into battle. And that's fucked up.
1: (laughs) 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 Summarize. (laughs) Summarize the other kind (laughs) of in one sentence.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think this is like a, honestly, a theme of the adults in charge are not making decisions based on what is good or moral. They're doing it based on this whole society that they've created around hating the rats. Yeah. Specifically. (laughs) But yeah, let's get into chapter 27. Let's do it. Chapter 27 starts with a lot of arguing, but eventually the council decides they can't banish Ares. Gregor tells Ares he won't be in the Underland much longer, but Ares says, It matters not. While I have flight, I will be here always for you. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Hold on. Actually, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's unpack. Let's unpack this, because Ares doesn't even know Gregor. Like, they don't know each other.
1: That's true, and in the next book... They actually do get to know each other, and that's its whole other journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they kind of butt heads at first. Yes, that I think that was my favorite.
1: Like, it surprised me, but it's also so fun. When they leave each other in this book, they're like, yes, we are bonded. We owe each other our lives. This is great. And then they get back, and they're like, I don't know you, actually, and you're kind of a
0: dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but right here, like, Aries is just like... This guy just saved my life, so I'm gonna be here for you always. Mm-hmm. Immediately ride or die. I mean, I guess that's the <laughs> definition of, like, <laughs> literally bonding between a human and a bat, ride or die. But, yeah, I just love that Gregor is like, well, I'm not gonna be around even, but... Ares is still gonna have the status of being bonded to the warrior and he's like that's enough to save my life so I'm gonna be here man right
1: (laughs) and it's also it's also so much it's funny and also tragic knowing that they're both like oh I guess we'll never see each other again and Vicus is in the background just like rubbing his little hands together
0: oh my god don't (laughs) even get me
1: started (laughs) I'm so ready to get started on
0: Vicus (laughs) (sighs) okay Gregor goes to his father's hospital room and finds Boots feeding him cookies because a nurse told her to make him eat. Gregor asks dad if he's okay, and dad says after a few square meals, he'll be good as new, which they both know isn't quite true. It's kind of sad that they're both like, we know it's going to be more complicated than that. Yeah. But Gregor's dad is like trying to make him feel better. Yeah. Because I think Gregor's dad must be going on his own little psychological journey of like returning home from the war severely traumatized he's probably thinking ahead to be like oh my god i'm gonna be back in the regular world like he must be having his own crisis
1: yeah like imagine you Are away from your family for two years. This kid shows up, he's your son, but he's older and he can like, he's fighting, he's leading this quest. He has this kid who he says is your daughter, who you've literally never seen.
0: Literally. It's such a intense thing to go through. And like, Gregor's dad has been in like severe isolation too.
1: Right, right. It's not like, it's not like any of the rats were like talking to him besides like, hey, please make us weapons.
0: Right. I think that Gregor's dad probably also had a fantasy of like how it would be if he ever got home. And he is also now realizing that that's not going to be how it works. Yeah. But they're just trying to be strong for each other. And Gregor's dad is like, he's probably thinking like, even though I've been through all this shit, my son needs me to be a dad again. Mm hmm. And he's been living without me all this time, so I need to like step back into the father role and reassure him. The narration says, Life would never be the same again, but they would have their life back and they would have it together. That's a good line mm-hmm. regarding the theme of Gregor's family and how important family is. Everything sucks. This family is forever scarred by the underland. It's going to get more scarred. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Yes. But they always have each other, and that's what matters. Gregor's dad tells him about the night he fell into the Underland and his attempt to get back home. He says he tried to escape with a BB gun from the museum, and when the rats captured him, one of them asked about the gun. He convinced the rats he could make them weapons, so they kept him alive. When Gregor rescued him, the rats were just beginning to suspect he was never going to make anything that worked for them. He reveals that he survived because he never stopped believing he'd get home again, which is very beautiful because this comes back to the theme of where there is life, there's hope.
1: Oh, yeah. Which is
0: something that Gregor's grandma says, and it's something that Vicus says, and his dad basically says the same thing here of like, everything sucked, but I had hope that I would get home again, and that's all I needed to survive.
1: And it's kind of the opposite of Gregor, because Gregor would not let himself
0: right. look forward to Right. Exactly. He was depriving himself of that.
1: But I'm just wondering, like, why was we know why, um, why Vikus is keeping Gregor because he's like, oh, this kid is the warrior. But I wonder, did they think that Gregor's dad was the warrior? Or was or would they just like, was it not safe for him to travel because of rats? Or was Vicus like okay, we have, we know the warrior, like they know the warrior's an, un, an overlander. Yeah. So he's like, this guy's either the warrior
0: or maybe having him will bring us the warrior somehow. Like, I was thinking about that actually myself because Gregor's dad talks about how he doesn't try to escape until a couple weeks after he falls. And I'm wondering why he wasn't able to just go home before that. Yeah. Or like why he felt the need to escape if he was like getting on okay with the... Regalians.
1: that's true
0: maybe it was that they thought maybe he's the warrior
1: like i feel like they must be doing they they think something is up or not yeah. that they think something's up but they think he can do something for them
0: yeah i don't know maybe it is just like the rats were really bad then and they couldn't travel but that seems unlikely
1: yeah i don't know my my conspiracy theory is that Vicus like, and and Solovet, i guess are like no, we're keeping this guy until.
0: I honestly would not be surprised if Vicus was like trying to get Gregor's dad to stay because he thought he was the warrior.
1: He's like, all right, I didn't expect to be a high school science teacher, but.
0: <laughs> we'll take what we can get. Yeah, because I mean, Overlanders coming to the underland are pretty rare right so maybe they did want something from him and they were trying to keep him because of that
1: it would be funny if, if there was just a plot we didn't know about where like every so often underlanders go up to the overland and just try to grab somebody who looks like mm-hmm. they could fight
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe this person can be the warrior Gregor's dad asks about Gregor's mom and then about Gregor. Gregor tells him about school and track and playing saxophone, but he avoids all the bad stuff about rats and spiders. I was wondering if maybe Gregor's dad is afraid that Grace has, like, moved on or some shit.
1: Oh my god.
0: Like, obviously not knowing Grace. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, I wonder if that's... a a fear of his. Right. That he's having like an anxiety over like, what is my wife? Why has my wife been through without me? Right. Cause like, she
1: doesn't know that he was captured by rats. She would never in a million years be like, Oh, the giant rats got him. And like, I feel like, I feel like he's the type of guy who, like, I feel like he's also at the same time, he's like afraid of this. He's also like trying to tell himself like, it's okay if she moves on because she doesn't know if I'm coming back. Yeah. But that's gotta be rough.
0: Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Like, he asks about her, and just like Gregor could say anything. Like, Gregor's dad has no idea what to expect, right? About how their family is doing without him.
1: And he can't be like, So, your mom, is she getting any? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: hate that. <laughs>
1: How's my meth business doing? <laughs>
0: Dude, I was thinking about this today, actually. I, oh, I forgot to write it down, mm-hmm. but I was thinking, what if, in, what if he was Walter White, and instead of convincing the rats he could make weapons, he <laughs> convinced them that he could make them drugs?
1: And the- would the war be worse, or would it be avoided? What do rats on meth? I read recently, apparently people who are high on meth get really into taking apart cars just because it's something to do. What? I don't know. I was on r slash... I think I was on r (laughs) slash drugs reading about drugs as you do when you want the 4d
0: immersive experience. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You should ask r slash drugs. What would an army of rats do on meth? That's a great question. (laughs) I
1: I think they will. Maybe I'll send an r slash no stupid questions. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. We we can source answers Uh, for this. Crowdsource the answers. (laughs) I was just thinking it would be so funny if Gregor was like, how did you survive the rats? Why didn't they kill you? And Gregor's dad just like doesn't want to tell him the truth. So it's like, I was making weapons.
1: <laughs> and by the way, you've you've had dare in school, right? Yeah. It's just,
0: it's so stupid. <sighs> just bringing it full circle to the first episode with yeah. the Breaking Bad references.
1: Wow. Like old times.
0: Eventually, Dulcet comes in and tells them to get some rest. The narration says, Gregor wandered off into the palace feeling happier than he had in two years, seven months, and he no longer cared how many days. He was done with his rule now, for good. Even if times got bad, he would never again deny himself the possibility that the future might be happy, even if the present was painful. He would allow himself dreams.
1: That's... Good. That's a good line. It's a
0: great little paragraph. And it is basically just what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Of like, Gregor has not been allowing himself to hope, but hope is essential for survival. And now he's never going to deprive himself of that again. He's learned his lesson.
1: And I feel like from looking at Luxa too... Yeah. Like, he's, like, over-pressing everything and, like, being careful not to let yourself hope, like, doesn't make things better. Yeah. She hasn't learned that lesson yet. Not
0: quite, I don't think. She'll get there. She'll get there. Gregor runs into Vicus, and after asking about his dad and Boots, Vicus tells him the rats are retreating and fighting amongst themselves for the throne. Gregor asks about Rip Red, and Vicus says he's assembling a group of rebel rats in the Deadland who will work with him to bring peace. Then Vicus says he has a gift for Gregor and presents him with a jewel-studded sword wrapped in silk. Vicus tells him it belonged to Bartholomew of Sandwich, and the Regalians want Gregor to have it. Gregor declines, reasoning that his mom won't even let him have a pocket knife. <laughs> Vicus suggests his dad could keep it for him, but Gregor admits there's another reason he doesn't want the sword. He thinks about all the people who died on the quest and all the victims of the war he saw on his flight back to Regalia. The narration says, maybe he just wasn't smart enough, maybe he just didn't understand, but it seemed to Gregor that there must have been some way to fix things so that everybody hadn't ended up dead.
1: I love this because... It's such a like a YA moment, like the wise mentor giving you this the special item and Gregor just like is no, I don't want to do this. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm still refusing the warrior role. I love this part where he's just like doubting himself Well, he's like, maybe he's just not smart enough and he doesn't understand because he's looking at all of these adults who are like calling him the warrior and telling him how important it is to be the warrior and like waging war. And he's looking at them and being like, isn't there another way? And he's thinking, like, am I just not understanding? But, like, no, Gregor, you're the one who understands. Yeah. There is a better way. This line is, like, a main theme of the book, uh, that, like, war and violence is avoidable, and the a lot of the underlanders just jump to violence right away. And people like Vicus, and later we meet Hamnet, are pacifists or more pacifist <laughs> than everyone else.
1: Sliding scale.
0: Yeah. And Gregor is kind of absorbing all of these different ways of thinking from the people around him. And he doesn't quite know what to think yet, but he's getting it right here in this line. He's thinking there must be some way that's better than this. And because he is thinking that he's making the conscious decision to refuse the sword. It's so powerful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Refusal of the call.
0: Yeah, that is exactly it. Because later he does have to take the sword up, you know?
1: Right. And they don't shy away from... Like, he does have to kill people.
0: Yep. He's doomed to have (laughs) to use the sword, even though he refuses it in the first book. Mm -hmm. By the last book, he's wielding it.
1: What you said about war being avoidable is is so interesting because I feel like so much of this in this and other media about war they're always like we don't want to do this but there's no choice like this is we have to make these hard decisions we have to do this even though it's bad and it's like like obviously i'm not like in the real world in the government or whatever but no no you don't that's my opinion
0: yeah yeah i mean it's definitely simplified for this kid's book right but i think on a larger scale it works too in a lot of ways, The Hunger Games is more intense than Gregor, but in a lot of ways, Gregor is more real than Hunger Games. Uh-huh. Like, even with all of the giant talking animals, Gregor is literally a soldier going to war, and... Katniss is existing in this dystopia that's like very heavy handed about what it's about, but they're basically living in this same situation of like kids are dying and there's violence and they have to learn how to live with that and act within that world. It's just that Hunger Games is so much more like literal about the government is killing children. Yeah. And Gregor is more like, like you said, like all of these stories about war are like there's no choice we have to do this like this is the only thing we can do to save everyone and it's like is it though
1: (laughs) (laughs) unrelated i like that in the book it specifically says his mom won't let him have the pocket knife until he's 21 yeah like not even 18 she's like this boy needs to be able to drink before he can have (laughs) one.
0: We'll give him the pocket knife and his first drink on the same night.
1: (laughs) There's no way this can go wrong.
0: Yeah, I liked that line too. Gregor tells Vicus he doesn't want to be a warrior. He wants to be like him, someone who tries to work things out in other ways before resorting to fighting. Vicus says, Well then, Gregor, I know the gift I would wish to give you, but you can only find it yourself. When asked what it is, he answers, "Hope. There are times it will be very hard to find times when it will be much easier to choose hate instead but if you want to find peace you must first be able to hope it is possible which is just tying it all together yeah this idea of how hope is essential and where there's hope there's life there's life there's hope and to find peace you have to be able to like let yourself imagine that there will be peace
1: And, like, that's important. That's not just wishy-washy. Like, get back to the real world. It's like, no.
0: It's essential. I really also love the line, it's going to be much easier to choose hate instead sometimes. Because that comes back to the part in this book when Gregor is talking about how much he already hates rats, even just from the short amount of time he's been in the Underland. I think he's like looking at Rip Red or something and he's thinking about how he gains a certain power from thinking about how much he hates rats.
1: I remember talking about that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that this is Similar, like, it's pointing to how easy and satisfying it is to choose hate sometimes, but it's worth putting in the work to not do that. (laughs) Gregor declines the sword again, and Vicus is happy with his decision. Then Vicus tells him to rest, as he will be traveling home tomorrow morning. Gregor sleeps in his dad's hospital room with boots, and in the morning, everyone gathers on the dock above the river. Vicus explains how Ares will fly them to the exit above the waterway, and Marith gives Gregor a handful of money from the museum. Gregor realizes both that he'll never see these people again and that he'll miss them. He hugs everyone goodbye, including Luxa, and she hugs him back. Luxa says maybe he'll end up in the Underland again someday, but Gregor says his mom will probably ground him for the rest of his life. After he explains what grounding mm-hmm. means, Luxa says... That is not what it says in the Prophecy of Bane. Gregor asks what that is, and Luxor reveals it's a sequel to the Prophecy of Grey. He tries to ask Vicus if he's in it but Vikus just tells him they need to leave immediately.
1: <laughs> Vicus is just fully like, he's just, he's just like, Vikus is like, you know I'm fucking with you right now, Yeah, literally.
0: He's having the time of his life. He's like, you don't need to know that right now. Just go home. Don't think about it. We'll call you when you, we need you. <laughs> Vicus loads them onto Ares's back and says, fly you high, Gregor the Overlander. As they take off, Gregor tries to ask more questions, and Boots waves to Temp and says, See you soon! Gregor tells her they're not coming back, but as they fly away from the palace, he thinks he hears Vicus say back, See you soon. They fly over the river and out into the waterway, which is a body of water big enough to have giant waves rolling across the surface. Gregor spots the 20-foot spiked tail of a creature in the water, and he thinks, Not even going to ask. (laughs) Which is great foreshadowing for the sea voyage they go on in the next book. fuck. I love how we get this little look at the waterway at the end of the first book.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think of that.
0: Because it's like, this is the adventure next book is the waterway. And
1: Gregor's just like, phew, thank God I don't have to deal with that bullshit. Yeah,
0: not even going to ask about that. That's not relevant to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's none of my business. (laughs) Escorted by a pair of guards on bats, Ares takes the Overlanders up into a stone cone that has misty currents to blow them upward. They squeeze through an opening at the top and fly through a series of concrete tunnels. Ares lands on a stairway and tells them it's the way home. Gregor and Ares clasp hands and say, Fly you high, and then Ares vanishes back into the darkness. Gregor helps his dad up the stairs, and at the top, they push aside a stone slab in the ceiling. They emerge and see the moon, and while they wait for Gregor's dad to catch his breath, Gregor looks around and realizes they're in Central Park. Just a side note, Mm -hmm. in the last book of Percy Jackson- I knew it. They go through an entrance to the underworld in Central Park, and I have always believed that this is the same exact entrance.
1: Yes,
0: In my heart of hearts- (laughs) Percy Jackson and Gregor the Overlander Are happening in the same universe Yes, they just like
1: pass each other Going like d- through different forks In the in the path to the underworld Versus the underland
0: Yeah, Miko and Percy are like hiking Their way down to the river Styx And Gregor and Ares are coming back up
1: Sometimes Percy sees giant rats And is just like fucking Greek myths, man
0: Yeah, yeah Guess I'll ask Annabeth if that's from A Hercules myth or what they would
1: be friends. They would get along well. I,
0: I wrote a fan fiction about that. Oh my God. What well, It's like my most popular Underland Chronicles fan fiction. Oh shit. It's a Percy Jackson crossover. Bro, can you Can you? Yeah, it's, it's a one shot. I'm actually still pretty proud of it. Yay. Um Yeah, maybe I'll post that on Tumblr. Ooh. I wrote it when I was like, probably like 15, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think it holds up. I'm excited. I think Gregor and Percy are uh, practically almost the same character in a lot of ways. Yeah. They have a lot of similarities.
1: And they're both from New York. They're both from New York. I feel like Gregor's more like, they're both aware of like situations in mature ways. Gregor's a little more polite, mm-hmm. but Percy's like, they're both equally unwilling to deal with bullshit yeah. in a way. They
0: both have that snark. Yeah. It's the middle of the night, but they managed to flag down a cab and the narration says, The driver either didn't notice or didn't care how they looked. He'd probably seen everything. This is so accurate. (laughs) My dad drives cabs, and Gregor and his family would have to work way harder than this to make it onto his list of weirdest passengers. (laughs) On the ride home, Gregor admires the city's lights, and when they get there, his dad pulls out his keychain and finds the right one. (sighs) He
1: still kept it the whole time. Well, actually, no, he didn't keep it because has had it. Vike has
0: had it. But it is the one that Vike has had the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that Gregor recognized on site. And I just love that he's able to find the right key. Yeah. Because even after all this time, you don't forget which key is your house
1: key. Right. You know, he's been like imagining this moment and now it's happening.
0: Yeah. I love the physical detail of the keys. They open the door to their apartment softly, not wanting to wake anyone, and they see a light on in the kitchen. Gregor's mom is sitting at the kitchen table completely still, staring at a stain on the tablecloth. The narration says, He didn't know what to say. He didn't want to scare her or shock her or ever give her any more pain. So he stepped into the light of the kitchen and said the one thing he knew she wanted to hear most in the world. Hey mom, we're home. It gets me every time. Mm -hmm. Just that he is trying so hard to never, like, hurt her and he knows what she's going through and he knows that she just wants to hear that they're back and he says it and that's how the book ends. Yeah. We don't even, like, get to see their reunion, but, like, we know how it would go. Like, just the family is back together and... I just can't imagine. Like it says that Lizzie is like asleep on the couch yeah. in the living room.
1: Yeah, I'm one- i wondering if like she just doesn't want to be alone, or like her, or like her mom just like doesn't want to let Lizzie out of her sight because literally that's her last kid. Like, she- yeah.
0: Oh my god, you're right. Like I
1: just imagine like Lizzie's life must have been so stressful because her mom is just like like just does not want to let her out of her sight. Yeah.
0: Like, also, Lizzie has like her own anxiety issues. Oh my like, God, right. Get talked about later. Right. But also, I just remembered at the beginning of this book, Lizzie was leaving for summer camp. Oh. And I don't know how long summer camp was supposed to last or like how long this quest lasted, but like, what if when Gregor and Boots went missing, like, their mom was just like, I need Lizzie to come home from camp right now.
1: I bet. I bet, yeah.
0: Yeah, I wonder if she, like, left early and came home, and...
1: That's so funny that Gregor's like, I'll stay here and be an adult so that Lizzie can go to summer camp, and even that was doomed from the start.
0: <laughs> even that. But yeah, I just imagine them walking in and being like, we're home, and then Lizzie's, like, waking up, and she's there too, oh, and oh. they just get to have their reunion after so many years, mm-hmm. and it's the perfect end to the book, is this line. The whole book is Gregor fighting to get back home. And the last line is we're home. It's so good. Any other thoughts on these on this whole book? Oh, wow. This this whole first book. This was the first book. We finished it. Can't believe we actually (laughs) just to be meta for a second. Like Mm -mm. I did not expect myself to be able to keep this podcast going this long. (laughs) Yeah. Good for you. Like you've been killing it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be our 11th episode, I believe. Oh, wow.
1: Make a wish. Or no, that's two elevens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang, I don't know. I'm just, as we're talking about this book, I keep like thinking of parts that are going to happen later in the
0: books and I'm very excited about same, those. Same. I keep thinking about how this book is kind of like a prologue to the rest of the books. Mm-hmm. Like this is just the intro to the Underland and then we like really get into sh- shit next time. Also, just the plot of, like, yes, Gregor is on a quest to find his dad, but he's also, like, being sent on a covert mission to free a war prisoner. Yeah! Like, (laughs) if you really zoom out, it's basically, like, Gregor is being sent on this, like, secret mission to go... Into enemy territory. Into enemy territory to free this valuable prisoner and...
1: Who is supplying weapons to the rats, in theory. Like, I assume that their spies know that the rats have been getting weapons that don't work, but they don't know, like,
0: Mm -hmm. why? Yeah. I never realized this as a kid, but it's very much about Gregor becoming a soldier. Yeah. Throughout these books. Just becoming more and more entrenched in their war that they're fighting.
1: Even as he tries so hard not to. And I like that, like... I've been ragging on Vikus a lot, but I like that he is, I feel like he's genuinely proud of Gregor and he's happy that Gregor refused the sword, even though he knows that Gregor is going to have to take up that sword eventually. Yeah,
0: same. Good book. Good intro to the rest of the series. Yes. But probably my least favorite out of all five. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: I feel like... It's a good book, but of all the ones that like I think of moments from, yeah. There's so many moments coming up.
0: Yeah, all the rest of the books have just such iconic scenes. This book definitely has iconic scenes. Mm. And I'm not saying that I dislike mm. it. It's just like not as good as the other ones. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, yeah, they get better as they go on, I think.
1: Just like how Rip Bread gets hotter. <laughs> <laughs> if such a thing is even possible.
0: Yes. Starting with his voice change in the second book, <laughs> the second audiobook
1: eventually he gets some sick battle wounds what else does he even do he's just himself and that's beautiful enough
0: yes well thanks so much for joining me nathan
1: yeah it was good to be here
0: Mm -hmm. i'm glad that i got to talk about this book with you and you got to be here for the first episode (laughs) and the last episode of this book Yeah. yeah me too Before we sign off, this is your reminder to send in your treasured memories of reading the Underland Chronicles so we can read them on our Gregor the Overlander 20th anniversary special episode in a couple weeks. Your email can be as little as one sentence or as much as several paragraphs. Those emails can be sent to to returntoregalia at gmail.com. That special anniversary episode will hopefully go up on September 1st, And then I will be taking the rest of the month off. So the first episode covering the Prophecy of Bane is set to air October 2nd. If anything changes about the recording schedule, I'll let you guys know. Also just wanted to say, thanks guys, we hit 50 followers on the Tumblr. Yo! And also I added a Ko-Fi link to the pinned post on Tumblr so that if you have any money to throw our way, we would love that. Don't forget to follow us on Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube to never miss an update. Thank you for listening, and until next time, see you soon.
1: See you soon.